0: I really wanted to do that, that muscle up, and I still—I think I still have that one video of when I did my first muscle up, and I was so, yeah, so screaming around. I think everybody knows that feeling.
1: You gorillas, welcome to the Athlete Insider Podcast by God Nation. My name is Phil and today's guest is one of the most successful calisthenics, weighted calisthenics coaches in Germany and Austria. Somebody with a lot of experience in this field, somebody with an inspiring story and transformation himself. I'm really happy to welcome you to the show, Nick Tivosek. Thanks for that announcement. <laughs> happy
0: to be here. <laughs>
1: So we 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 were talking about this podcast episode for a long time already, uh, and I felt like uh, it's the right time. Uh, you guys, uh, you listeners, appreciated well the the last episodes where we shared a lot of content about programming, about like deep uh, deeper stuff, I would say, um, deeper uh, sports scientific uh, stuff. So I'm really looking forward to an episode full of content because I know Nick, you're somebody who uh, has a lot of knowledge, who invested a lot of uh, yeah time and money in his uh in in knowledge in in his uh in your sports career as a coach so um yeah i'm looking forward to you to to share a little bit of your knowledge i'm happy to share let's get it on <laughs> awesome so yeah but first um for the people who don't know you uh, do you want to present yourself who are you uh, where do you come from
0: well i'm nick um I'm, I think for the calisthenics community i'm a am an old man with my 30 years of of living here <laughs> <True>. um, <laughs> um, I'm into this since 2013 pretty much I think I started like like everybody in that in that time I saw some some bar stars videos and I was into it and um yeah that that's pretty much the stuff that I Yeah, why I started then, um, I started training with some friends that escalated a little bit. Um, We brought up the, at that time, biggest group ever in Germany with Calisthenics Wetzlar. Some people may still know that one, Um, maybe the the old dogs. Um, And uh, yeah, we had very, very big group trainings that transformed into a sports club where I had to jump into into coaching because of that and so that's that's when i started really learning about coaching in 2014 um and from that time on it it, it evolved by itself um more or less and um that's pretty much the the background that i have um, now I'm, I'm training for myself since 2013 coaching's um pretty much at that time started somewhere there. I can't really say that because I, w- I wasn't really into that. It, it, it happened more to me that I, I planned it. But um, yeah, here I am now. Um, that was actually in Germany. Now I live in Vienna. Um, so you see me here in the Team Alpha bar um, gym right now sitting here. Some people may know this one from the Wob League. and. Um, yeah, that's 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 the short version of it. I hope that helps. <laughs> Definitely, uh, something.
1: As as you said, you were a really an influential person, in the German calisthenics scene uh, brought together a lot of people in in Wetzlar. Um, uh, yeah, also people coming from different cities from uh, f- further uh, to train with you. So uh, yeah, you really uh, left your footstep, I guess, uh, in in the German calisthenics scene. And um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about your uh, background. You also, uh, what I meant at the beginning with your uh, transformation. I still remember the the photos that you share uh, from from the the older no the younger you um, to to today. I think uh, the the physique was a little bit different. Tell us more about your physique transformation.
0: Well, yeah, that, that, that was definitely a little bit different to to who I am now. Um, Actually, in the beginning when I started um, training calisthenics, I was at around about 115 kg of body weight and I'm um, 186 centimeters um, uh, tall. So you can imagine I was pretty fat. Um, Before that, I was actually 130. Then I went into the German army. Um, and as it is in the infantry, they really damage you, so I lost like 15 kg. but the food is also shit so you don't lose that much. <laughs> um, so when when I left the army, I was like, okay, I wanted to learn a pull up because in the army I didn't learn it because I didn't know anything about training and yeah, that, that was a little bit difficult there. So that was something for me that I really wanted to learn and I started off at a little... Um, at a little, yeah, it was not really a park. It was more like where the childrens play, and there was something that you can call a pull up bar, but it was not really a pull up bar. And I teach myself to do my first pull up. That was actually, I think, it must have been in some somewhere in January in two thousand thirteen. Pretty pretty close after I saw my first bar stars video, and um, from there on, it went on. I trained a lot. I uh, didn't know anything about it actually i i I did so much can i say bad words you can okay i did so much shit (laughs) Uh, back then but i think everybody did it at that time because nobody knew anything about training at that time i think you remember that time too so you just trained and um the, the harder the better and i went down to 90 kg of body weight which was i think the first time in my life that i had a six pack and um, that, that was all I wanted at that time. But during that time, I really fell in love with the process of training, and I was like, "Fuck! It's not 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 just just looking good anymore. I just I just love doing this." So um, yeah, that there were that, that was actually the, the 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 time when I really went into into this passion. I really fell in love with just training, getting stronger having a good time with friends during training and all that stuff. I think everybody who's, who's into, into training knows how that feels in the beginning, especially in the beginning. And, um, from there on, I, um, always had a little bit of weight is going up, weight is going down and all that stuff. Because once you have been a little fatty, (laughs) um, you don't have that completely. The transformation is not completely done after you lost some weight. Usually, yeah, it it takes some time to to get into these new eating patterns and really, yeah, make make them yours. And it took some time for me to get into these eating patterns. And right now, I would say like eight years later. <laughs> I'm I'm here and I'm pretty happy with what I have. I'm I'm at 100 kg roundabout um, right now. Um, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less. I'm able to eat sometimes some ice cream um, and also having having a good 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 steak or something. And um, I I actually right now I'm at the point where I enjoy life and training at the same level. So um, I would say I made my transformation into this um i'm not a completely ripped athlete like everybody wants to be on 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 the on the on the gram (laughs) but um actually i have something that i can keep on one level and i'm happy with that i would say
1: cool in um in the beginning when you you were watching the boss's videos was the main motivation the physique was it to look good or was it to be strong or to impress the girls or what what was it you know like
0: I would say it was kind of looking like them because I've, I've i've never looked like that um except of i think it must have been when i was 13 or something around about that age um at that time i was i was a pretty good runner track and field and stuff like that and um uh that was the only time when i was pretty much lean in some kind of um and um uh, it was mostly looking like that. And there was also this thing I wanted to do a muscle up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the classic I was really into I want to do a muscle up I really want to do a muscle up Uh, I I was always like yeah okay a front lever that looks cool yeah a flag also looks cool but I really wanted to do that that muscle up and I still I think I still have that one video of when I did my first muscle up and I was so yeah (laughs) so screaming around I think everybody knows that feeling (laughs) But th- I think it was these two things. And that changed over time. Um, after, after, like, I don't know, like two years when I just had that physique that I wanted, um, I changed that into, I really want the performance. And that, that really changed the complete way how I approach training. Um, because from that point on, um, I had to learn a lot more about how to get really strong and how to how to um, develop that without getting injured and all that stuff because everybody knows that we we all have that shoulder issue once in a time <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, especially in calisthenics um, and I also had that and um, but I, I learned about it and so now I can I can actually. Deal with that a lot better. Don't kill myself in training. Um, that's what I teach our athletes, and um, that's that's the thing that we um, actually have. Uh, we all have to learn that during the time. Um, once you have the physique, you understand. Okay, there's a little bit more about that at the beginning. Okay,
1: get it you already said uh calisthenics the the way we train like uh the the way um also the professionals train today changed a lot uh over the years and um yeah it has to do with with of course the sport developing with people like you offering coaching etc um but um back in the days like everybody was just go hard uh, train as much as you can like every day uh, all day every day uh, you know like all these quotes um and can you give us your perspective how the sport changed and um what what are the good things that came with it um the 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 more scientific way approach of uh, of programming of uh, like uh, all this program structuring training structuring mm.
0: I would say it's a lot easier to get strong in a short amount of time right now um, because there's so much more knowledge out there when When we started, there was nothing if, especially for me i didn't I didn't know anything about training. I had no 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 background or anything. I was like, okay, what's YouTube giving to me?" And that was actually some Honeyball for King videos and nothing else. And you, you may remember that, the, the, the mad bars routines.
1: Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> it was like I collecting mean, trade cards. Like I was collecting them uh, and trying them out, yeah.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I, I tried so many of them and I failed on so many of these routines. Like, I don't know. So I think I could, couldn't do most of them now. I mean, they were like, yeah, do, do 50 pull-ups who the fuck can do 50 pull-ups? Honestly, yes, you have some some world-class athletes who can actually do that, but most people <laughs> probably will not get to that point. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, I think it's a very good way that this changed, that it is a lot easier to get into the sport, um, especially as we, yes, we have more information, but on the other hand, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit easier to get immediately to the right people who give you the information. Because um, at that point, you had people like, like all the YouTube stars um, on, on, on calisthenics. They had no clue about training at all. I, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but it was, it was like that at that time. So they, they just gave you some routines. They thought that's good, but it was not like, that was really good, you know. And nowadays it's a lot easier to get your entry into this and develop further. And I think that that's something that changed so well. And um, we're not done with that. Not not even close, but it's so much better. And I think what also changed a lot was like a lot of people in the beginning were like strictly calisthenics. It's not allowed to do anything else. And It's good that this approach changed a little bit, that people allow themselves to actually do something else. I mean, stuff like rotator cuff work and maybe some OHP to develop some more strength to do a handstand push-up and stuff like that. You know, people, people are a little bit more open now than it was then. People were so against weighted calisthenics in the beginning. When I look at that, how dare you? put weight on it how dare you to to do squats that's not calisthenics yeah bro but how you gonna load up a a, 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 an air squat or something yeah we have to do pistol squats yeah but that comes to an end too (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i i think you remember that time um it was pretty hard to bring that into into the sport and nowadays people are a lot more open to that and i i actually love to hear that and to see that that people are um ready to 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 open himself a little bit more up into this and from this on the whole community evolves from that and that's something i really enjoy so um i think that's that's some very very good stuff that it is like that right now because information is out there everybody can get it of course it's for most people very very hard to cut the right pieces out of what they really need out of all that information. It's for a lot of people, it's very hard to get the right information in place. That's something that's of course it's harder now because there's so much information. You don't know what's right, what's wrong. What's the right one for my situation right now. But in the end, everybody's free to get some help at that point, you know, and um, that was something that also was in the beginning, very, very hard for most people everybody was on that i'm the lonely wolf track i don't want any help Mm -hmm. so and that changed also a lot in the community and that's also something that i actually yes of course because i make my living out of that but on, on the other hand you know the whole community evolves from that because everybody's getting better and people are inspiring each other by their Um, approach by their achievements and i think in the end the whole community evolves from that a lot so everybody is profiting from that that it is growing so well right now
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i hope i answered the question definitely (laughs) Uh, so if somebody is
1: uh, asking you yeah nick where can i get some some uh, information to start and you, like out of some reason, you don't want to give him uh, the advice, but what would you advise to our listeners? Where can you get uh, some good information for the beginning? Of course, later, um, or if you have some some um, compet- competitive goals, or if you want to do it like really uh, with 100% and then coaching, of course, is the way to go. But we will talk about that later as well. Um, but like for a beginner, where do they find the best information in your opinion?
0: of course in my podcast yeah (laughs) um actually yes we have the strength and skills podcast which is um, very much about information and um we give a lot of 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 info i always tell people if you listen very closely to the podcast you don't need our coaching (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) we're just spying um but on the other hand um i think To get information for the beginning, it's mostly um, needed to understand the principles in the beginning so that there are, like let's say, six movements, which is vertical pulling and pushing, horizontal pushing and pulling, and for, for the lower body, pushing and pulling. And when you have that, and add some some unilateral movements to that, which is one leg or one arm movements, then you're very good in the beginning to to have all that done. So um, it is for most people, it is in the beginning, like they want to do everything. And it's very hard to get all the informations um, in because yes, there are some places where you really can come from when you're a beginner, um, like, like all these Reddit stuff um, and all these, these, these internet platforms where you find some stuff. But I think the most important tip to get here is don't overcomplicate. Make it very simple. Make it really simple. Keep in mind, you don't need to train like seven days a week. You don't. Four, four times a week is very much enough if you do it right. And actually we, we are sharing all that stuff in the podcast. And I wouldn't say there's this one source that you can go to where you find all the information needed. That's actually right now, maybe the the, um, the issue that we have in the sport, that it is not, there's no guide in the beginning. Maybe we should bring up a guide, mm-hmm. a donation guide for beginners. Let's do this. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: it's it's a big problem, like um, or what? What It's a big desire, I guess, because uh, calisthenics is a sport which has the the, um, the danger or the, the possibility to become like gymnastics where people are afraid of starting because it looks so elite and so uh, professional. And that's a risk in my opinion, because uh, as a beginner today, I would still, even though there are a lot of information, I would still be kind of lost between uh, the pros who share something like uh, reps and reserve and all these terms, which I don't understand as a beginner, which seem like extremely complicated. And um, on the other hand, the people doing, uh, like, reps uh, until failure and uh, just, uh, yeah, it's difficult as a beginner, I think.
0: Yeah. So to to answer the question in the end, I wouldn't say there's one single source that's really, really well. That's actually an issue, and I'm very sad about it when I realize it right now. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, like I'm always thinking that if we um, if we are kind to beginners, it's uh, the sport will grow because uh, otherwise, like, uh, of course, I like the community events where uh, every year we meet up uh, everybody, but I don't feel that the scene is like growing extremely like it's maybe it's not necessary to uh, to grow extremely big. But um, I still would wish more uh, new faces, new new uh, new people in the scene. So this is why I'm thinking. I'm always thinking, how can we do something for the beginners? Because uh, it's hard to reach them, but they need the most help, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we need yeah. to get that in. <laughs>
1: But uh, that's that's something we can uh, yeah we can think about after the podcast. Otherwise, it will be three hours. Um, you talked about unilateral uh, exercises, which is something that um, I don't hear a lot. Um, why do you think these are important, and why do you uh, like why do you g- give them to your athletes and to your coaches?
0: Um, actually, that's something um, uh, when when you look at at um, I think in, in the first. Ter- uh, We first have to explain what's in a unilateral movement. So in the end, unilateral, uni, that's one. (laughs) Lateral is always on the outer side of your body. So um, you can see that's an arm or a leg. Mm -hmm. So it's one arm, one leg. So that could be something like like a lunge, like like, uh, an overhead press, and when you look at that, you usually have to load that up with some extra weight. Hmm. Yes, that's not completely calisthenics. I know that um, <laughs> to, to tackle that in the beginning. <laughs> but um, how could you do a one-arm thing overhead? I, I I don't know a lot of people who can do actually a one-arm handstand push-up. So um, also a one-arm handstand pike push-up will uh, one-arm pike push-up will be very very difficult but to press something above your head which can be a a dumbbell maybe at 10 kg or something especially when you're a girl maybe a guy starts at 20 or something i don't know wherever you start yeah um it's crucial to be able to stabilize your arms and your legs only at one point, you know, that you only have that one arm that has to be stabilized. Um, That's mostly for health reasons, um, because at that time you can really focus on that arm or that leg. And um, that's something, you you have a transfer effect from that. When you are able to stabilize one arm, one leg very well, usually that helps you a lot to um, um, perform, other exercises better so um, especially when it comes to two legs i'm very 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 a big 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 fan of doing unilateral stuff as um when you look at the hips it makes so much sense to be able to stabilize the knee as that's something you hear a lot of uh, very very often from calisthenics athletes yes but i fucked up my knee doing some stuff I fucked up my back doing some stuff there, and that mostly comes from they and they don't, just don't know how to stabilize that stuff. And um, this is why I always give stuff like that to our athletes. It's not that this is a main lift, so it, it's not the first exercise that we start with on a on a training day. So you may do some some squatting patterns, yeah, maybe a back squat, um, and after that you train some single leg exercises, which can be a lunge, which can be a step up, or if you're a little bit more experienced, which can be a pistol squat. So I see these things as some um, assistance for the bigger movements, um, which help you to stabilize this area very well. And the same is for the upper body. Um, when, When you do maybe one arm rows on the rings, at that point, yeah? go get your garnetion rings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a marketer. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you do the one arm rings, uh, um, ring rows, that's also so helpful because at that point, when, when you pull back, you can even squeeze a little bit more into that than if you would do it with both sides. So the little squeeze here and the rotating um, from, from your spine at that point is also a very, very healthy movement at that point to keep you healthy in, in here. So, I usually use that stuff not to get really, really strong, um, because that's mostly done with very heavy um, bilateral um, exercises. So, if you want to do a handstand push up, you're not going to learn the handstand push up from the one arm overhead press.
1: Mm-hmm
0: but the one arm overhead press will teach you the movement pattern in a more healthy way. So it is a very good way to do it afterwards. When you did your um, handsome push-up training stuff, and then this is maybe some assistance you do um, later on. You don't even have to do that every day, but once a week would be a good um, choice. So that, that's something I definitely always recommend to the people because it keeps you just healthy because you can focus so much on the movement and you have to keep everything stable at that point. You know, I, I mean, everybody who did an overhead press knows oh, one arm overhead press, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, knows how much you, you start bending and all that stuff. So at that point, you also learn so much about how to stabilize your spine, which is actually something that is so helpful in your real life, which is a little bit out of, of just training, you know, when you have to do something else in life. Um, this stabilizing the spine will also something that you definitely will need, You will need that when you're getting old. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you profit from that so much. So in the end, um, all this stuff is not only about the performance right now, It is also about to keep you healthy so that you have a performance when you're old. Because I, actually myself, I want to be able to do my handstand push-ups when I'm old too. Like a 60-years-old man doing the handstand push-ups, looking at the young guys. Come on, guys. When I was old as you, I really killed that. (laughs) (laughs) The classic ones. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, but of course, the healthy side, that's it nice
1: like unilateral exercise i often heard them uh, them in uh, combination with uh, fixing disbalances uh, like uh uh, is the the, it's the same thing
0: right pretty much um but the the other hand is a lot of people um start doing them when they're already injured Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i would say when you are injured go to a physiotherapist that's that's not my job. I wouldn't tell you anything about that because I'm not. That's not my expertise. You know. Of course, I can help a lot of people with that stuff, and we do that with our athletes too, of course. But if someone comes to me, hey, I'm injured. Can you help me? I would say no. Go to a physiotherapist. But I actually always like to tell people to do some stuff as pre, so that you just don't get injured. So. Um, of course, sometimes you will find some stuff where you just have disbalances. And um, of course, the unilateral movement helps so much with that. Um, but it's not like, yeah, but I did my my one arm rows and it didn't fix my disbalances. Yes, it's not not like that. that's the, the, the magic pill or something. A lot of times you have to go really into detail with that stuff. This is why I'm not um saying yes that's going to fix all your disbalances specific, because it's not going to be like that you have to look at it very individual when it comes to that stuff and really go into detail with it
1: okay because my, my next question would have been uh to, if i have like uh, a weaker left shoulder do i uh when i do the unilateral exercise do i need to uh lift heavier with the left shoulder or is it important to keep uh, both weights uh, at the same weight like uh this stuff
0: um i would actually always start with the weaker side Mm -hmm. and um maybe let's say you have a rep range Yeah, like like you say okay i'm i'm gonna do something in between 10 to 12 reps Mm -hmm. on that side um i would start on on the the weaker side do as many reps as needed for your given goal and then do this exact same thing with the stronger side okay so that, that, that would be my my approach. Cool. Um, the difficulty at that point is when, when you go into science with that, there are also different approaches on that. But mm-hmm. that is actually the approach that I always would do because of course, um, I would always always try to make both sides as equal as possible. But we also always have to keep in mind, you will always have a stronger and a weaker side. It's just... In a range, you know, when let's say when someone is able to do six one-on-pull-ups on the right side, and it would be five on the left side. Still do your six on the right side and do your five on the left side. That's not a big disbalance. But when there's just one on the left side and six on the right side, that's something that I would look into. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a very important part um, uh, here because people tend to really overanalyze that. And in the end, you will never have a completely symmetric body. It's, it's not going to be like that because you are maybe right-handed and are doing all the stuff in your normal life with the right hand. So there will be a difference to the left side, of course. When you're playing football and your shooting side is the right side, yeah, guess what? Then probably there will be a difference in between left and right leg. I also have that. When I look at my legs, my right one is bigger than my left one and it's even stronger. So yes, I don't, I don't have to completely make it symmetric, but of course, once it le- I see that it leads to um, a problem, and I definitely have to work on it right now. I'm working on it mm-hmm. with my left leg. There's actually an issue. And so I have to work on that. Mm-hmm. Before
1: we dived into this question, uh, I, we you we were talking about the four weeks that it's totally enough to talk uh, to, to train four times per week, which is really interesting for me. And I know in a podcast, I can never expect you to have the cure and the solution for everybody. Every listener, uh, if he does this, he will get the result this. Um, but I would be interesting in the, uh, interested in the perfect week for you in a, in a like in a program four weeks uh, four, four workouts in a week. How does somebody should how should somebody train to get good results in weighted calisthenics?
0: Um, is the goal strength or hypertrophy? Uh,
1: good question. But because we received a lot of questions uh, concerning uh, good physique and shredded physique, uh, I would go with, with hypertrophy in this case.
0: All right, because there is a little different that we Mm -hmm. have to consider here. Um, um, Okay, let's go into it. Um, Hypertrophy is actually something um, we want every muscle group be hidden like with a frequency of at least two times a week. So when you look into the science, usually um, a frequency of two to three times a week is best. Um, When we consider that Probably all of us will have a normal life too. We do have work. We do have maybe school, university, some stuff with the family. There will, it, it probably will not be something that we will be able to train seven days a week for the whole year. So for me, it's always something I want people to be consistent with their stuff. And having a four-day week of training mostly works very well for most people. And this doesn't mean that there aren't people who are training less or more. And it also, um, I'm coaching people who are training more and who are training less than that. I just say that's a pretty good middle way for most mm-hmm. people. So that, that's why I'm saying four times. Um, the, the frequency of two of like, let's say we want to hit the back two times a week leads to, okay, we at least have two times a week where we have to hit the back. And of course, then we also have to hit maybe the chest two times a week. Then, I'm sorry to say that guys, but I also train legs. (laughs) Of course you have to hit the legs too. And they have a front side and a back side. So I would split that up personally. Um, because I actually would say to keep it very calisthenics, um, we hit the backside with some naughty curls. And as we are doing weighted calisthenics, um, I would say let's let's do some back squats also. Added weight on a, on a squat. Um, Yeah, whatever you use there, you could also say, let's do some pistol squats. It doesn't matter. It's just about how you hit the muscle groups at that point. So right now we have the the horizontal pushing and of course um, with the chest, which is only hidden in the horizontal way. So we also have to think of, like I said in the beginning, we have vertical pulling and pushing. So we usually would have to do some maybe some, 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 some vertical pushing to add that to the chest uh, stuff. So there would be a possibility of maybe saying, okay, we can, we can split stuff up. If we have a frequency of each muscle group that we want to hit of two, then we have to consider, okay, how much is usually needed to make a muscle grow? And at that point, science says, okay, it usually would need only one stimulus. So it would be possible, and this is something, please don't misunderstand me, it would be possible from a scientific way to do just one set and give the muscle the right stimulus, but probably that won't work. For most people, it won't work because the stimulus from one set you would have to go so hard into failure to give that stimulus. You probably will not be able to do it. And I'm I'm not saying that to, to make you being the hardest man ever. It's, it's not because of that. It's probably more because most humans are just not able to do it. I mean, if you look into the bodybuilding world, which are absolutely the experts of building muscles. Um, There's one guy, his name is Dorian Yates, a very old um, bodybuilder, but he was known for um, high intensive training and he had just one set. But when you look into the YouTube videos, you do understand why he's just doing one set. That guy is killing himself. And actually, I definitely had hard training sessions in my life, but I probably never came to that level. <laughs> and I probably never will come to that level. He's just, that, that's madness. So in the end, most of the time you have to look into it because there's also another science view of that that says, okay, somewhere in between, let's say, 13 to 20 sets per muscle group per week is something where the muscle grows very well because at that amount of sets, people are giving the right stimulus. And that's something you can cut it in half and do like, let's say, let's say we, we do the middle and say 16 sets of the uh, muscle group per week. So there's one day we do, let's say back, um, we do like eight sets for the back. And there's another day where we do eight sets for the back with what can mean like we have on the given day, three, three sets of pull-ups, maybe three sets of tucked front lever rows and maybe like two sets of one arm rows on the rings. Which would be a very good back workout for most people if you do it hard enough mm-hmm. and yes everybody is like but i can do so much more yes you can but you most of the time you don't need most of the time people are training themselves into the ground and they just just don't need it to grow muscle no if you go um close enough to failure yeah. and this depends a little bit this is also um the big difference to when you want to go for strength. Mm-hmm. When you go for strength, you don't go into failure. Mm-hmm. That's very important to understand when it comes to muscle growth, failure is needed. Most of the time, at least once a time, I wouldn't go for failure in, in, in um, pull ups. But I would actually go maybe for failure in in the one arm rows, because that's the exercise where you can get at least the, the chance to get injured is, is the lowest. You know, I think that's very important to understand at that point that you go for failure with the exercises, which are not so high in the risk to get injured. Because every time when you go into muscle failure, you are at a high risk to get injured. That's very important to say at that point. So for you to keep that in mind, frequency of two means we cut the amount of volume in half. Do one half on the one day and one half on the other day. And when you, over time, learn, okay, um, this is not enough for me. You add one set per week. That's easy. Start low, go high. And then in the first week, you start off with like 16 sets. Next week, 17. Next week, 18. 18. Then you have 19, then you have 20. Maybe then you feel like, okay, I should deload, which is a week of just cut the volume in half. Have a lower week, rest a little bit, come back with more energy and start again. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So that that would be a very good way. And you can use that system for every muscle group that you're actually doing. So that could also be done with um, the front side, with a chest. Uh, at that point, we also have to consider, oh yes, there's something that's called overlapping volume. So everybody knows that. When you did some heavy dips, your shoulders are fucked too. <laughs> so you're probably not that good in handstand push-ups afterwards because you're already tired. And that's called overlapping um, uh, volume because the same muscle groups are already used at that point so we have to to keep in mind okay some of that stuff will tire us and it's the same like like when you did very heavy pull-ups your whole shoulder girdle is tired and you probably will not do the new dip pr or handstand push-up pr if you do it immediately afterwards probably not So you have to keep that in mind also that this will interfere with each other. So um, when you have like a pushing day where you have a little bit more focus on the chest and then maybe um, another day where you have a little bit more focus on, on, let's say, shoulders, which is vertical pressing a little bit more, that doesn't mean that you don't do chest that day. You could do the handstand push-ups. And maybe some pu- uh, some normal push-ups afterwards, maybe weighted. I don't care, yeah. Um, and to 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 get that to the right point, you could also do the heavy dips on the other day, and do some some pike push-ups afterwards, which still gives some stimulus more to the shoulders, but it's not that heavy. Mm-hmm. So I would always start with the more heavy exercise, and afterwards a little bit lighter, like like I already said with the pulling stuff. And I, st- I said, okay, let's start with some, some pull-ups, some, some, some uh, touch front lever stuff, and then do some, some one arm rows. So that, that would be a good way to schedule a training during a week. So, and the same stuff you can also do for the legs. Start off with heavy squats, do some pistol squats afterwards, and maybe some sissy squats in the end. Would be an amazing um, possibility to, to really kill your quads that day. And you just did three exercises. And um, that, that would be a very good possibility to, to, to do all that stuff. And you have to keep in mind, start low with the volume, go higher. Um, what is also very important, um, you mentioned that in the beginning, some stuff like reps in reserve, RPE, um, to mention that a little bit, reps in reserve is pretty much the same as RPE. Um, we have a complete podcast episode about it, but to keep it very, very short, reps in reserve two means you have two reps in reserve. You could do two more reps. RPE eight is the same as reps in reserve two. So the whole thing of RPE ends at 10. If you, did, if you had an intensity of 10, you, you killed yourself during that set, you couldn't do one more rep. There would be no way to do that. That's a 10. And for you to, to know, to give the right stimulus to the muscle, you have to keep your sets in between a range of somewhere in between six or seven to 10 in an RPE rating system or reps in reserve four, three, two, and one or zero. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that, that that's, that's the very important part to keep that in mind so that it should be heavy. It should be hard. You need to give the right stimulus to the, to the body. There are exercises I wouldn't go for a 10, like a back squat, Killing yourself there is something, the risk of getting injured is too high. Kill yourself later uh, with with the pistol squats and um, the sissy squats, no issue with that. Maybe with the pistol squats, okay. But (laughs) let's say lunges, that's an easier one. That's not so demanding for the knees. Um, But that's also very important. So for you to keep that in mind, frequency of of two during a week, um total amount of sets up to 20 and the right intense intensity yeah coming up from an rpe6 up to up to 10. so i have to say one thing to the six in rpe6 this is only when your rep range is very low because when you do um like two reps on the back squats with 200 kg let's be crazy Mm -hmm. um and it would be an rpe6 for you the stimulus is so high on the muscle that it still will grow when you do like i don't know let's say push-ups and you did it with, I don't know, let's say 20 kg on the back, and you still have an RPE of six, it's probably not growing. So there I would go for a little bit. Yeah, like 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 a higher RPE. That's very important to say there are exercises that you shouldn't go for a high RPE. And there are exercises that you should go for low RPE. But that's a complete big field <laughs> but i had to mention it <laughs> interesting so you
1: also talked about the deload week uh which is uh makes sense in every x week you will you will tell us but you said that uh, we cut the uh, the volume in half you said um does that mean we do the same amount of sets but uh, uh, cut the the rep range in in uh, the rep uh, number in, in two or how is it meant
0: that's that's very um, very individual because um, it deloads re- de- really depend on um, on in what phase of your training you are right now. So um, when I have someone who's training for a competition in a for which is probably one rep max, I cut down the intensities. So they do it lighter. They do the same volume. Mm-hmm they do it lighter. When someone is in a hypertrophy phase, it makes most of the time a little bit more sense to cut down the volume, which means less sets and um, work from there because they're like, you, you could say that like two different types of um, fatigue, like um, there's the central nervous system fatigue, which is um, in the end, the central nervous system is the system that wants your body to stay alive. So when that really gets tired, that's when you have less energy output. And that's actually what you usually feel when you had a few weeks of really hard training, when you're like mentally really exhausted and like, uh, i'm done i don't want to go into training because i'm so killed everybody knows that it's different to just having a little bit of pain and being a little bit yeah just damaged you know Mm -hmm. that's different everybody who trains knows that and um usually you have this central nervous system fatigue a little bit more when you have higher intensity so that comes with higher, more with real strength training. When you come for hypertrophy, it's more like the muscles are tired. And also this loads up and also fatigues the central nervous system over time, but not as much as, as the high intensity would. So um, this is also a little bit depending on how much load you are putting on the spine. Mm -hmm. So you can always keep in mind every exercise that loads the spine will fatigue the central nervous system a little bit more than exercise that don't load the spine. So you probably are not so fatigued from the central nervous system um, from pull-ups because the spine is not loaded. It's just, just hanging there. Um, you're probably also not so much fatigued from from stuff like dips. You're more fatigued from handstand pushups because the spine has to stabilize the body in the in the air a little bit more. And of course, with everything where you load up the spine with maybe like a barbell or something, like in back squats. Mm-hmm. So that definitely you will feel that. This is why other people always think, yeah, but when I when I do back squats, when I put them into my training, that kills my training now that, that it's not the case that it's the back squats fault, it's just you're not used to this amount of fatigue and you have to get your body to get used to it um so to get back to the point <laughs> 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 it's such
1: a big topic you know <laughs> and it's great um, to 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 have, have the the knowledge around it
0: so don't worry yeah it's 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 needed um to, to have that here, um, we usually, I would usually always, when you're in a hypertrophy phase, I would just cut down the volume because hypertrophy is mostly driven most of the time by a little bit more volume than in strength phases. So in strength phases, I would cut down the intensity and in uh, hypertrophy phases, I would cut down um, the volume. I have to say at that point, before uh, people come and kill me, this is very individual. And there are people who react better to less intensity and there are people who react better to less volume. There are people who um, can, can keep intensity and just have to have to um, do less training things and stuff like that. There are so many different ways. In the end, I really have to say, I always try to find out what's best for my individual client at that point and work from there. And this is also most of the time very different from, from the phase that they are in. So I have seen people who really recovered so well when they didn't even train a bit in a week. And I have seen people who needed to train and keep the same volume, but with such low intensity, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even think that guy trained. So it's, it's all there. And in the end, I hate to say that, but you have to find out for yourself.
1: And this is the difference, or the difficulty, uh, the difficulty for pre-written uh, programs, etc., um, and uh, all the the programs that you can get, uh, which is uh, also something which is good for the calisthenics scene, et etc. But this is the difference between a pre-written program and a coaching uh, or a coach who analyzes the your your stuff and your videos and your physique, etc.
0: Absolutely, um, yes, the program will work when you do it right um but that doesn't mean that a completely individual approach for you wouldn't work better yeah and that's the thing that's true
1: Nice. Um, a question, because uh, the week this interview goes live is also a special week because uh, our dip belt is uh, finally coming online. And when we uh, announced it, we received a lot of questions. Uh, when is the right time to, to start weighted training? When, when is, is the right time to switch from basics, body weight to weighted? What would you respond to somebody
0: uh, asking that? I would say that it depends on the exercise um i would start immediately with back squats even for beginners of course um because most of the people i have never met a person who can't do an air squat mm-hmm. and if you put the gun on their head they are probably most of the time able to do like 50 reps on that easily <laughs> mm-hmm. so to load that movement up there's the best way to put some weight on your shoulders and do the back squat. So, um, I would start with that immediately. Um, but the upper body, it's a little bit different because most of the people when they completely start over new they most of the time can't do a pull up or maybe just, just a few same for dips and maybe for push-ups. Um, when you come up with that, um, you can't really say this is the, the, the one, the number, where you can start weighted i mean we all have seen that people are doing 10 pull-ups and people are doing 10 pull-ups there's a big difference on technique Mm -hmm. and for me i I always look at okay where's this where's the technique at what point is the technique is this technique a good technique that we can actually already load up would that be a good idea to put some weight on that So usually most of the time not because the problem that we have with the bodyweight exercises like dips and and pull-ups, you can't just take weight away. It's not possible. I I can't come over. Hey Phil, I just cut off your leg. I think that's that that's the better weight for your pull-ups. Come on, Mm, cut it off. (laughs) That's not possible. So um, we are always at at the problem that we already are at a, something that's like more in the direction of a maximum um, attempt, especially when you're a beginner. So um, for me, I would actually recommend for pull-ups, before you start doing pull-ups weighted, make sure you can do archback back pull-ups. Really, really good arch back pull-ups with chest to bar. You don't have to touch the bar. I know some people can't, some people can. But doing proper technique, at least the chin over the bar with that, somewhere in between 8 to 10 reps, then you can start loading. And start loading doesn't mean you start at 10 kg. Start loading means maybe 1 kg. and. Um, what i would also recommend at that point make sure to weigh yourself before because that can also be a little bit different maybe one week you had like i don't know 80 kg the other week you just had a little bit more of of lunch (laughs) 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 then you're 81 that's already progress and next week you can go for 82 maybe then you have to load up one kg Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so um, It's it's a little bit difficult to keep it at one number usually because it very, very much depends on the technique. And when you look at it, most of the time, it also depends on how heavy is that person. When you have someone who's like, I don't know, 70 kg, most of these people really learn pull-ups very fast. When you have a guy who's starting over at 90 kg of body weight, he probably will not have such a fast progress on Mm pull-ups because the starting point is different. He started 20 kg ahead. It's not that easy to get to that point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's also very important to keep that in mind. Of course, yes, we can come come up with palm length and all that stuff now, but I don't want to go into that too deep, especially as we in the end it depends really really more on 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 your mental side in my opinion but yeah
1: Uh, what is the the secret or like the the intention behind the arch back pull-ups because uh that's something that uh, we see quite quite often uh with your with your coaches with yourself uh what's what's the intention behind because Um, it's quite mm -hmm. unusual in in calisthenics i would say
0: it was i think it, it really now made it place mm-hmm. um its place into into the community but uh, for me it's mostly about scapular control um being able to to really depress and retract the scapula which means pulling the shoulder blades down and more into the middle is something that is very very needed when you want to stay healthy it's not what i would recommend for a competition There's a difference. Um, it's the more healthy way for most people. Um, but it's not the, the way where you move the most weight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so for me, it's mostly about scapular um, um, activation and putting it into the right place. Um, that's, that's why I always program that. And when once you have that, you usually have such a strong um, shoulder girdle that you can allow yourself a little bit more of compensating. This is why I always do do this to people. And I think that's a very important way, especially as I I like to have people who are training for Mm long-term.
1: Okay. Okay. A lot of our community members are a lot into statics and uh, we received also some questions about um, the the benefits for statics or like it, just in uh, overall the combination with uh, statics. And uh, you also work together with uh, Dennis uh, for the, for the strength and skills podcast. You did a lot of stuff together, etc. etc. So, um, and you're, you're doing statics yourself um, in, in your trainings. Um, so how do statics and weighted calisthenics play together? Where do they benefit each other? And um, yeah, how would you recommend to combine these two uh, disciplines, I would even call them?
0: Um, I would say uh, weighted calisthenics really profits from a very, very strong shoulder girdle. And you develop a very, very strong shoulder girdle with statics because that's where where the power comes from. And on the other hand, people who are very, very strong tend to learn skills very fast. So the combination of both is most of the time the best way to develop something. The only thing is, how do you actually um, use it on a training day? So if your goal is to go into weighted training, Of course, you start off with your weighted exercises and add on maybe some static exercises, maybe some front lever pulls after your um, heavy pull-ups. And the other way around, if your goal is to go for a front lever, it makes sense to train the front lever first and go for some heavy pulling afterwards. Of course, heavy pull-ups after your front lever work will not be as heavy as if you would do them first but at that point you're using them as an assistance exercise which means they assist the exercise and the same way around you know when when you go for for a heavy pulling and afterwards you you go for maybe some front lever work the front lever should assist you with the with the um heavy pulling so in the end it's just exercise selection that um and and of course the order of the exercises that 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 makes the difference
1: so as everything in life it's a question of focus uh it's uh like uh, the question of your goals if you want to uh, yeah as you said like if you want to compete in a, in a weighted competition in a one rep max competition doesn't make sense to do uh, aesthetics statics in front of every uh, heavy workout to uh, and waste energy on it uh, in the beginning
0: absolutely cool
1: um yeah another topic uh last topic because we're already in in the interview for quite a while which is good uh, because there's a lot of interesting stuff in it but um what i um Saw that a lot of people were asking were about uh, weight loss and weight gain. Like I, I have to admit, most of the people were asking about weight gain. Uh, but still, I think you can uh, tell a lot about this topic. You uh, have your personal experience. You have your uh, the experience of your coaches. Um, yeah, I think everything that uh, combined these questions was about shredding. So uh, having a lot a low body fat percentage. Um, the people were asking about uh shredding while gaining weight and shredding of course uh, while losing uh, weight so what's what's your opinion on that what's your best advice about um weight adjustment i would call it with in, in combination with weighted calisthenics
0: um i think the most important part right here is <laughs> it's all about calories in calories out so if if you have an energy balance that is, you're putting more calories in to your body, than you're putting out, then you're probably going to gain weight. If you're putting less calories into your body, then you're actually burning, and you're going to lose weight. And the most important part to understand here is, it's a big Bigger picture that we need at that point. So, a lot of people who think they should shred actually should gain weight first. And this is not that I want people to get fat. Um, most, especially in the calisthenics um, community, people are not that muscular. Um, this is not to offend people this is you know i'm I'm training in a gym where i see a lot of bodybuilders and a lot of natural athletes as they are not taking steroids or something like that so they're really into the science of building muscle and most of them are definitely bigger than calisthenics athletes they always make jokes about calisthenics athletes (laughs) They're not always making jokes, but very often. I have to say that. But because, especially for that reason, because people are doing calisthenics and having in mind that's the best way to build muscle. It's not. I have to say that. It's, it's not the most effective way. You know, this is like someone is taking the train and someone is taking the, uh, the, 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 the airplane. You know, that, that's the difference. One is faster at, at the destination than the other. Both come there, but one is faster. <laughs> maybe maybe you saw a little bit more of the, of the travel when you did the longer way. And that's also something good. So this is not like yeah. one is the, the, the bad way and one is the good way. This is just a different approach. And um, we have to say at that point, a lot of people misunderstand when it comes to, to weight gain, that weight gain shouldn't be about getting fat. So you ha- the best way to do this is to find out where is actually your calorie baseline. Um, when you have the baseline, you, come f- you, you, you have like, okay, this is maybe like 3,000 calories a day. This is my baseline, and from there on, you just take maybe 200 calories more as an intake, maybe even just 100 calories more, so that you have over time, like maybe when when you go for for um, a whole week, that you gained like 100 grams or 200, maybe. Maybe 300 grams per week and not more than that. Um, and this is really to say that it's about the week, not the given day, because that can be fluctuated a little bit. Um, but what we need is really um, the complete week um, to go from week to week and develop some weight. And one day after maybe like 12 16 weeks of biking you gained like 100 grams per week which is maybe after 16 weeks one and a half ki- uh, kilos and you gained that weight and then you have to look again into the mirror am i happy with that because the body can only build muscle mostly only uh, it's let's keep it that way the the body can only build muscle when you give him the intake you know Mm -hmm. um when you want to shred down you do the same thing into the other direction you you take less in than you that you put out so cut it down on the one side and i have to say that one thing that a lot of people miss um, on maybe underrate is your protein intake. The protein intake is very crucial for weight loss, but most of the time also for, for weight gaining. Um, I had athletes that I put up to more than three grams of protein per kg of body weight, more than that. And they gained weight, yes, but they didn't got fat. And that was, that was the most important part right here. Protein is for the muscles. And I'm not talking about vegan, not vegan stuff. Protein is protein. Ho- hopefully the scientific people don't care me for this, but because I'm not going too deep into this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Like that's the sense of the podcast to give like um, an overview. Yes.
0: <laughs> okay. So I think uh, hopefully um, we're able to answer that question a little bit.
1: So it's it's also about the speed. Like uh, if I uh, reduce calories too much when wanting to lose weight, I also lose muscle um, because the the is, like. Tell correct me if I'm wrong, but I, if I understood uh, right, uh, if I eat too much uh, when wanting to improve uh, to uh, to uh, go up with weight. Um, I need to stick with a small calorie surplus per week. If it's too much, I will gain also fat because the body is not able to build muscle as quickly as fat, I would say. Um, And the same thing with weight loss. If I, uh, like you didn't say it, but uh, like if I reduce my calorie intake too much, do I also lose muscle?
0: Um, Yes. Um, That depends a little bit on how low you go. And of course, um, how much protein you're giving to the body and how you you put the stimulus to the body. Mm -hmm. Um, To say that for weight loss, um, protein is the most crucial macronutrient for a muscle cell. So that's why we we higher up that intake for weight loss and for weight gain. Um, And what is also very important when you are on a weight loss, this is why cardio is not the best solution for weight loss. Your body will be at the point that he says, okay, I'm, I'm getting less energy in than I would usually need. So I'm in a survival mode and the, the body is designed to survive. So he will kill everything that he doesn't need to survive. And that can also be a muscle cell. So to give the right stimulus to the, to the body, to make sure, okay, hey, buddy, kill the fat cells. Don't kill my muscles. You have to show the body that you need these muscles. This is why you actually need strength training in a diet. Because you give the right stimulus to the body. Okay, I need that, bro. I need that. <laughs> don't, don't kill it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's a good, uh, good image, like uh, the good conversation in your body, um, which uh, which makes it easy to understand. Cool. Um, yeah. What are your goals for the next month? Before we come to the quick questions, quick answers, it's always uh, interesting for me. What What can we expect from you in the next month? Uh, what big big project uh, do you have have uh,
0: in front of you? We yeah, have several several. Um projects in front of us right now uh, we are building this gym here up and we right now it's pretty underground not not a legal one and we're gonna make it legal so that that's one of the things that's but that's for the next months (laughs) not only one month and um, with bubble coaching um, we have some stuff coming up like uh, courses to um, educate people a little bit more And that's the stuff that we are working right now. I don't know if we're going to be done after one month, but that's the stuff that we are working right now on. Awesome.
1: Great. Quick questions, quick answers. What's your favorite food? (sighs) Steak. Steak. Uh, Are you a dog or a cat person? Dog. Uh, What athletes
0: inspire you? Uh, Ranjit Bachu mostly um little beastum Mm -hmm. Mm. (sighs) some olympic weightlifters actually (laughs) um and also some strongmen
1: cool um what would you prefer rather have insane strength numbers like uh, insane lifts or an awesome body if you would have to choose
0: Oh, fuck. That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I think uh, the strength numbers because it's so much easier to get the body. Okay. <laughs> uh, pull or push? body push, body pull.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have a favorite exercise?
0: oh i think it's the squad i'm sorry
1: <laughs> yeah the, the whole interview was really was really nice and uh, people build a connection and now you're destroying everything in the quick questions quick answers but uh, yeah that's that's okay like
0: <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> uh
1: weighted or body weight if you would have to decide for the rest of your life weighted. wait uh, do you have a favorite book
0: That's so difficult. Uh, I wouldn't say I have one. I have so many that I really like. I can't can't say. Oh, fuck. That's too tough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, What's your favorite music genre? Right now, I'm pretty much into electro music, but that changes every few weeks. Okay
1: so you're open to a lot of music uh different
0: music. i'm also a big fan of Coldplay. what can i say wow no <laughs> i killed <can> myself <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the best
1: calisthenics event you've ever been at and i know you've you've visited a lot of, a lot of events
0: machbar max out 2019 wow
1: this year again uh soon already i think uh in a yes. few weeks uh do you have to the be exact? There. Do you have the exact date? Twenty uh, fifth of September. I have it here. Yes. Um. Yeah. And the final question: What's your message to the Calisthenics community? What's your message to the listeners?
0: Think long term when it comes to training. Be patient. Enjoy yourself. Train smart and hard.
1: Great. So yeah um of course we will put all the podcasts uh the, your podcast in the description um for the people who are interested in but uh, in general how can people get in touch with you how can they uh, learn more from you how can they apply for for coaching um yeah leave uh, tell the people how they can reach you
0: um you can easily hit me up on instagram nick underscore tibu um from there, you just go on the link in the bio, which is usually bar minus bell coaching.de and in the best case slash links, because there we have two different types, one is more for the people who are not into competitions and one is more for the people who are very much into competitions, um, We work with both people, but um, yeah, the approach is a little bit different.
1: Awesome. So yeah. All the links are in the description to your Instagram, to your uh, website, Barbell Coaching. And um, yeah, Nick, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, thanks a lot for, for all the useful advice. I think it was really interesting, Like especially the unilateral um, things uh, were really interesting for me health-wise. Uh, you answered a lot of uh, questions bef- um, already beforehand uh, concerning injury prevention etc so this was also really really interesting um, big thanks for that and before you can end the episode and say goodbye to the people I want to say thank you to everyone listening to this till the end 1 hour 20 I have on my clock which is a long episode which is good I, I know a lot of uh, people a lot of listeners are requesting longer episodes so um, and I think it, it was worth the time it was really full of uh, useful advice so big thanks uh for listening to this till the end if you want to support us give it a thumbs up it helps a lot and nick you can end the episode thanks again for your time
0: thank you for listening to the episode i hope you had some fun give us some some uh yeah maybe if you if you liked it share it on your social media it would be amazing um to get more people to 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 get to know more about calisthenics about training because If you help us to help more people, everybody's helped a little bit more and we can make this world a little bit stronger. Have a good one. (laughs)